Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and iniquities and transgressions and shortcomings, those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time that I get to fellowship with my sisters, Lord. I'm asking that you do a mighty and miraculous work in us, that we live to the full potential, that we understand who you are, Lord God, because you know and you do all things. And I'm asking, Lord, right now, that, right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, hatred, jealousy, malice, Lord, envy, rejection, all things, Lord, that have nothing to do with your spirit, Lord, let them be bound today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Ghost will fall here, Lord, that we may all get the truth in you that we all may be able to receive your gospel because you said, Lord, if the gospel be hid, then it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world had blinded their minds. So I'm asking, Lord, that you open the eyes of those who can't see and the ears who can't hear, that your truth will get out, Lord. And if there be any confusion, Lord, let them ask questions. Let them understand, for you are a holy and righteous God the King of kings and Lord of lords, almighty God, worthy to be praised. Lord, do it for your glory. Do it for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be on the, uh, what is it? Oh. Yeah, it's going to be called uh, The Mystery of Godliness. So um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, info on that because um, there's this thing where I think a lot of people know that they can get to their higher selves. You know, there's things that can play out. And um, a lot of people know that they seek spiritual wisdom. They speak spiritual guidance. You know, they seek things that will elevate them in life. Mm -hmm. And um, the Holy Ghost itself is responsible for all things. Um, well, yeah, if she can read that one, that's fine. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I didn't bring my no, it's fine. Well, I got like a hundred Bibles here. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, it's really all about um, seeking the truth, you know, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, there's many roads and there's this, there's that, there's everything. But, you know, it really is when you really examine this thing microscopically, we get a sense that, you know, there is truth and there is error. So we plan on going into that. And I think why most of us have difficulty in reaching that place is because we don't really understand the things of the spirit versus the things of the flesh. You know, a lot of the times when we think that we're experiencing spiritual things, what we're getting is fleshly things and soulish things, which are involved in our feelings that keep us from getting to the spirit. All right, so from here, we'll start out. Um, 
I want to go to Genesis 3. We can go to um, Genesis 3. We'll start at the... As everyone knows the story of the apple, so I don't need to go all the way through that. Well, it wasn't an apple, but the fruit. All right, Genesis 3. And uh, we'll start at verse uh, 14. Genesis 3 and 14. Well, this is after the fall. This is after the um, Adam and Eve fell. <laughs> this was after they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And there was place between man and God a veil, and this is why a lot of people will try and find the real God, but they can't, and it's the Spirit of God, as we'll see later on, that leads us back to the one true God, so um, it says in verse 14, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, uh, and every beast of the field um, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou Shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, and I will put enmity between the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So this is the Lord speaking of what would happen once he put enmity, you know, between the Lord's seed and the serpent seed. And those two sides are still fighting today. It's not a thing of race. It's not a thing of religion or any of that. There is one side, one seed that seeks the truth in God, and then there's another that wants to divert people from the truth into things that have nothing to do with the God. And then he says, um, uh, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and have eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, uh, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and uh, in sorrow shalt thou eat uh, it all the days of thy life. So before this point, Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the garden, they disobeyed God, they listened to the serpent. I believe, honestly, the tree of knowledge and good and evil was kind of like a wisdom outside of the true God. The tree of life, I believe, was Jesus Christ. And I'll explain why later on when we go into this. Because, um, you know, the funny thing about the gospel of God is it doesn't allow you to be puffed up in pride. You know, it keeps us all in a state of, you know, we can be better than this. We can do more than this. Not that we're just striving for no particular reason, but because we're seeking a relationship with our God. So the way to God's kingdom is down. But you'll find in the, the knowledge of good and evil the second someone knows something about spirituality, the second someone knows something about um, how they're going to, you know, anything, like, you know, in the ether, and I'm a psychic, and I've done this, and I've done that, the first thing people will do is get puffed up in pride, where it's really about me. I have some knowledge that no one else has. So instantly, you feel special, especially when some of these people said they've spoken to their spirit guides, and their spirit guides will tell them, you are the one I'm seeking because you have the knowledge and you will lead the way because I see something in you. I'm serious. 
I see something in you that no one else sees. So right away, you're, I'm, I'm set to do the job. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do it. But really, you know, we'll, we'll get into all of that stuff. But so from here, you know, Adam and Eve had the Lord. From there, the earth would be cursed. From this point, death entered into the world. You know, at this point, you know, man lived forever until this. So he says that you shall sorrow all the days of our lives. And then we wonder why we have so much pain in life. Why it just seems like, man, no matter what I do, I can't get over that hump. I can never fully be satisfied in this life because there's so many things that we're now contending with because we have fallen. Right. And then it says, thorns and thistles shall bring uh, forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. So basically it's saying that, you know, they would have trial and tribulation in their lives. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Now, everybody knows this is true. You got to work for a living. Even if you're a farmer, you got to work for a living. Where in this garden, all these things were given to man before that fall. Mm -hmm. And then it says, um, Oh, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it uh, wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So the Lord, we know, made man from the dust from the earth. Now, anyone denies that or think, you know, evolution or whatever, believe what you want. But the truth is, when you die, will you turn back into dust? Will you go right back to the dirt that you came from? So, you know, there has to be some truth here. Right. And then it says, um, uh, and Adam uh, called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. So before this point, they didn't even need any type of correction like that. But the Lord had to now clothe them and work with them because they could no longer sustain themselves. Mm -hmm. Then it says, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know. Now, mind you, it says the Lord God said, behold, the man is become as one of us. So obviously there were three there. It wasn't just the father. It was the Son and the Holy Ghost were there. So he's saying man is like us now uh, to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his head and take also to the tree of life and eat and live forever. So when they had this tree of life, they were able to live forever. You know, um, when he, uh, I mean, to know good and evil. Think about children. Children come into this world knowing absolutely nothing. Children don't even recognize race until, you know, they reach a certain age of awareness, until things are pointed out. Even dogs don't care anything about race or any of that stuff. But look at how over time, you know, you recognize. I mean, I remember as children, um, we were probably two, three years old. My mom used to give my sister and I a bath in the same tub, and we knew nothing about that. You know, of course, that has to break off at some point, like, you know, three, whatever, and, and beyond. But before that point, you're in your innocence. All you know is making, you know, a mess in the water, splashing and everything else. You don't recognize my sister next to me is naked. So this is a sense of awareness, an example over time, how the world corrupts us. Because kids are innocent. Kids are true with so many things. And then the world teaches you. Hey, forsake your feelings. Don't, you know, hey, don't talk like that because, you know, you can hurt someone's feelings. So over time, you learn to lie. Over time, you learn to be corrupted by the things that you see every day. 
when at one point you would have thought of some things like we talked about yesterday as disgusting. It, it would never come to mind. So, well, and you can obviously see the agenda that Satan's doing because he's trying to get kids younger and younger and younger. It's going all the way up into like you hear of kids, grade. right? You hear of kids now in school having sex. I'm yeah. talking in preschool, yeah. elementary school. So something is obviously taken on the kids. I mean, where at one point it was unthinkable, even for marriage. At one point, man, you could take a girl out on a real date, and if the girl said no. You know, you try to you you wouldn't even think about it because if you did, everyone in the neighborhood would have beat you down. I mean, it was just that people believed that 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 was your the way. Had a shotgun cleaning it while you came over. That's right. You know, nothing better than happened to my daughter. You know, that was the way it was. Right. But from there, you know, society has changed. Now there's no such thing as all this other stuff. Where at one point. It was that way. So imagine life being like this 6,000 years ago. Adam and Eve were like their way. And then over time, you know, as generations went on, you saw more and more corruption. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is why times are getting worse and worse with each generation. But think about the time there was probably, you know, when they said man lived to almost a 1,000. Even the Greeks knew about this. They wrote about the golden age, how they believed that people lived to almost a 1,000. So this isn't a Bible account. But you do know over time that people are, you know, once God's spirit stopped striving with man as much, man began to devalue. Now you see more disease everywhere than you used to see. Yeah. So, all right, I mean, it's not going to stay on this, but I just want to make this quick point. And it says, um, so, yeah, man is as one of them unless they take a hold of the tree of life. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden uh, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the of garden of um, Eden cherubim, which are high level ranking angels. Um, Satan was one of them uh, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So, you know, from here that the Lord distanced himself from man because man was no longer compatible with him. Man had become corrupted, and this is why people today are trying to find God, but then they're, you know, trying to seek other ways of spirituality instead of coming through that way. And I mean, you know, it's true. Your flesh, when you hear about all this stuff in the Bible, instantly your flesh will reject it. I don't like this. I can't get into this. I can't have fun. I can't do the things that I like to do. But as a child, you never knew of these things until later on. All right, so from here, um, let's go to John 3. Well, what did Jesus say about when people start to read the Bible? They're like, we can't do this or that? Is that oh, yeah. Like, even for me, when I first came to the Bible mm -hmm. and started learning about the Lord, right away it bothered me because I knew that there would be things in my life that I would have to change to draw closer to Him. I had become so used to my sinful life and doing things that were outside of Him that man, just to hear of, oh man, you're not supposed to be doing this and that. Then I'm like, now I've got to, you know, do I change or do I not change? And for a while, I'm like, well, I believe the Lord will take you no matter what. And over time, he began showing me things of why, if you do this, you won't benefit from this in life. Now, we all know what it is to live our lives outside of, you know, the Bible but then the truth is, how successful are we all? And I'm not talking about money. I mean, think about how much disappointment we experience from day to day 
trying to please people, people trying to please us, how you just feel like there's this one place that just isn't met. There's no sense of fulfillment there and I'm striving and I'm looking for this and that. I'm looking for work, I'm looking for money, I'm looking for love, I'm looking for all these things, but it's like there's still something in the core of me that's dissatisfied. And you know, that is the awakening of the spirit. When a person is in their flesh, you are world conscious. You know of everything in the world, you know what music's out, you know what's going on with this and that. Worldly events you bathe yourself in. When you become self-conscious, you know you're in your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then you begin to engage in, you know, regret. Man, what did I, you know, remorse? Could have done this different with my life. Maybe that I know just something isn't working. But when you're God-conscious, you, you, you experience repentance, which is more of, man, I'm doing this not because... You know, I enjoy it, but because I know it's what the Lord desires for me. And it's almost like no one can convince you of a person of that until they come into that place of being born again. When you begin to realize, man, there's certain things I'm doing it just don't feel right. Why is my conscience beginning to ring louder now than it did at one other time? And I can tell you, like, for me, man, it just didn't matter. I was just so into my life doing my thing. And then one day it was kind of like, hey, what are you doing? And I remember when I heard the truth and someone, you know, taught it to me and I began to go back out of my life and do the things I did. And even though I tried very hard to get me back, man, there was something that changed me because my heart was different. And then my nature began to change. I mean, there were people that knew me will tell you, man, if someone told them right now, Derek was in here having Bible study, they would not have, but what? Who, you talking about Derek from, uh, what, 10702 Farragut Road? Ain't no way. That guy got saved? You know, so, I mean, it's just something I never saw myself doing. But when I began to understand what the Lord's purpose was for my life, man, things just became so different to me. Wall Street didn't matter anymore. Nothing mattered to me but doing his will. And it's a growth process. And for that reason, you know, a lot of people might have heard of born again. That's exactly what the Lord wants us to do is be born again. Because when a child is born, they can't walk, they can't hear, they can't see, you know, all these things. They have no teeth, all that stuff. But over time, you know, you begin to develop and understand more as you go. So born again, you were born once into this world, into corruption, into the flesh, but when you're born again of the spirit, it's almost the same process because you're learning a new way to see the world and to see everything else. And instead of your parents being your head, which they are, God becomes your head, you know, and then you look at things in a God-like manner. So let's go to uh, John 3 real quick. St. John 3, verse 1. Because, I mean, a lot of people, you got people in churches that are not born again. They are religious. They're in their souls. They enjoy the, you know, certain things in their lives. But they'll tell other people, yeah, come to my church. Hear the truth. But the truth of the matter is they're not born again. A lot of Christians are, you say? Aren't well, a lot of so-called Christians. Uh, a real Christian is born again. What's St. John what? Um, three. St. John 3, verse 1. Jesus is going to talk about this. Yeah. 
All right, St. John um, 3, verse 1. And it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, which means master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So, you know, that guy recognized, man, you've got power. Now, of course, there's other places to get power. God's place is not the only place to get power. There's other sources of power that people can get supernaturally, but it doesn't come from God if it's outside of him. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So being born again is none other than the Holy Ghost itself being like Christ. And we're going to find out in this study that the Holy Ghost is your only way to get back to Jesus Christ. Okay, so he says they cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says, uh, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? Now, one of the understandings here is this guy's looking at it from a carnal sense, a natural sense, because when you mention born again, most people will say, yeah, man, how can you be born again? You think of it in a natural sense. But Jesus here is speaking spiritually. Mm -hmm. Deep calleth unto deep. So it would take a spiritual mind to understand the spiritual things of God. So he says in verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he I mean, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That water um, means that, you know, your repentance, you know, a lot of people get baptized. And then from there, there's a spiritual fire baptism that takes place in the Spirit. That's why it says that once you're baptized, then you will receive the Holy Ghost that will lead you into that fire baptism. Verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth uh, where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. Now what he means by that is, where the, the Bible says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, some people believe in order to be spiritual, you have to be in a church building. And, you know, whenever the church has service or whatever's going on, that's what you're into. This is your spiritual work. But it's not saying that. He's talking about if you're born of the Spirit, means that you are like Christ. So from there, you go out and do the things that Christ would do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a bunch of people telling you, well, you know, you need to do this. Sit down, congregation, we're going to sing. I'm going to give you guys a sermon, and if you don't make it to church on Sunday, you are not spiritual. Jesus is talking about bypassing man and going straight to him, running past religion, going right into Jesus Christ, because, you know, there is where the spirit is. Okay, so Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify uh, we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall I believe, how shall ye believe, if I tell you of heavenly things? 
So this guy wanted a breakdown and understanding where Jesus was coming from. But what Jesus was saying in a nutshell is you need a spiritual mind. You cannot see things in a carnal, natural mind, the things of God. They would be foolishness unto you. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. just want to make a quick point on that. You seem to know your way around the Bible. <laughs> who, who, you, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it's right after Romans. First Corinthians two. Yeah, man, I was the same way with that. I had the same thing, man. It, it takes time. To find out where to go. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, even now I find myself running through the pages like, like where is it? All right. Yeah. All right well, so what verse is it? Um, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse uh, 20 there real quick. Yeah. All right, 1 Corinthians one twenty. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, this is true. What he's saying right here is, you know, have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? They try and teach people about evolution. <laughs> the whole funny thing is, how can you have mathematics in all of creation? All right? And how can you have laws of physics and thermodynamic energy and all these things? If there were laws, then there had to be someone that wrote those laws. They don't just come up out of chance. You know, you don't just get, uh, like the guy said, um, you know, you go to the moon and you see a table with a lampstand and two chairs. Now, you have to assume that someone put that there. You know, the fact that we have a thinking, reasoning process, the fact that we are, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into the, the golden ratio. Well, everyone's thumbprint is different. Everyone's thumbprint is different. Scientists have even said the eyeball is more complex than a, than a space shuttle. Okay, all that stuff. And then, I mean... The Fibonacci sequence is they call the golden ratio. It's a mathematic equation through all of creation. So it says that, um, well, the ratio was what? 1, 3, 5, 8, 13. No, it's 13 and then beyond. Like it grows from there. The um, fingerprint has the same swirl, which is the Fibonacci sequence. It's like a circle. You know, it's a weird swirl like this. But, you know, even uh, the fingertip, if this is a one, this bone to this bone, this is a three. This becomes a five. This is an eight. This is a 13. And this is all through creation. The way that water goes down in the drain has the same golden ratio, that swirl, waves in the sea, you know, a chameleon's tail, flowers, you know, buds and things, the swirl on your head. All these things come from a creator. You can't just have that same equation. Even in music, you know, with the um, piano, mm -hmm. the way that the keys are set have the same sequence. 
But, you know, you can't have these things in mathematics and not have there be a creator. So what they're saying is, have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world when they want to believe that all this came by chance? Okay, so that's just an example. Why does yeah. it say it pleased God, the foolishness of preaching to save? Oh, okay, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. In other words, you know, preaching God, um, it pleased him um, by the foolishness of preaching. I mean, like, well, I'll read it again. Um, it says, for after that, in the um, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. So because of this worldly wisdom and things like evolution and people try real hard to debunk God, it's saying that this is why the world wisdom will keep you from knowing God, the real God. And then it says, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So, and, and it's going to explain more, but it's a different type of mind. There's a Jew mind that the Bible speaks of, which is a mind of religion. This is why when you try and tell people the church is not the only place to find God, people will call you a sinner. Okay, this is why. And then there's the Greek mind, which is the world mind, that'll tell you, man, you're talking about something, something supernatural? Man, that's foolishness. So he's saying that it pleased God to pre preach the foolishness of, um, you know, being saved in God. You get what I'm saying? Like the world would consider, um, one second, yeah. the world would consider preaching, preaching uh, Christ saved the world as foolishness. That's a world mind. But oh. God was pleased that that was being preached. Okay. okay. And then you go to the next line and it says, for the Jews require a sign. That's the religious crowd. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. One thing you'll learn about the Greek mind, like I said, the world mind, you know from going to school, the first things they'll teach you is about Homer, Socrates, Plato, uh, Aristotle, Alexander the Great. We are taught day after day to think Greek. Okay, think Greek, a Greek way, democracy, the Senate. All that stuff comes from Greek wisdom. You know, and what did they preach? The empowerment, the empowerment of self, self-awareness, self-consciousness, self-realization. All these things that have nothing to do with seeking your God. Mm -hmm. They preach the really the first form of humanism. You know, and even Satan said in, in Genesis 3, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he was the first preacher of humanism. Man, forget God. Man, you eat of this fruit, you take of this knowledge, you'll be like God. And that was enticing to man because this is what man desired, to be separate of God once he fell. Why? Because he didn't have the spirit of God in him, mm -hmm. which is what we need to have again. What right. point were you going to make? Actually, I was just, you had already made it about the, uh, the preaching the foolishness was, you know, you'd already cleared it up. Right. And this is why you have so many philosophers, because the word philosophy comes from the Greek word philo, which means love, Sophia, which is wisdom. Mm -hmm. So they have a love of wisdom, not God's wisdom, but worldly wisdom. Right. And that's why you go to college, you will lose your faith, you know, if you don't know, because that's what they teach you from day one. Jesus who? Man, you got to get into all this other stuff and understand what's inside of you, because they don't want you coming to the one true good. Oh, yeah. All right, so it says in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto Greeks foolishness. 
But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So it's foolishness to the Jews because, again, the religious crowd feels like, well, you can't just have a relationship with Jesus. You know, um, you got to get into the church and you got to do all these rituals and, you know, make them. thinks that? The Jews? The Jews. Oh. Or the religious people. Right. They couldn't forsake the Old Testament law and all that stuff. They were all about working their way, mm -hmm. seeing signs, working their way to salvation. And the Greeks, you know, consider it foolishness. Oh, you're going to disappear or you can heal the sick. Ha, what nonsense. You know, this is how they think. So I just wanted to make that point. But they're saying that Christ is, you know, the power of God. So preaching Christ will have two groups of people mad at you. One, the religious crowd, because Jesus hated the religious people. You need to do this. You have to do that. It's all about this and that. And then he hated the Greeks, which were, you know, world wisdom. Hey, you know, that's kind of strong. Well, I mean, you can't have one contrast and not have the other. Like, for example, if you love children, you'd hate abortion. You know, if you love, you know, people, you would hate to see anything bad happen to them. So, I mean, in order to love what's good, you have to hate what's evil. So that's pretty much what he's saying. He didn't say he hated them. He hated the ways of these people, the way that they thought, the way that was outside of what he believed. You know, so if I love something, then I hate something else. I can't. But see, in this world, they try and teach everyone in relativism. Well, you know, you're good and you have truth and you have truth, too. And we're all just one. But then this is the same way they teach you in school how to defend your argument. Not based on the truth, but how well you defend it and you get graded upon, you know, according to that. Well, how you presented your argument. Well, my question is, is this, who's right and who's wrong? See, they never get to that. It's just, well, you supported your argument. Great. You supported yours. And that's where we leave it. Mm -hmm. But you never get to the conclusion of the matter. Now, there's always a contrast between, you know, white and black. You know, there's always... Um, if we turned out these lights right here, we'd be sitting in the dark. There's no in-between period. If I do something to someone that's not right, I mean, you know, I do something to hurt someone, I'm wrong. It's that simple. I'm not doing what I'm doing for righteousness sake, if that makes any sense. But it's like, well, you can say, well, yeah, you, well, you're not exactly wrong, but you're not right either. I mean, you know, there's right and then there's wrong. And this whole world, even the education system we heard recently, they were talking about um, that, what are they grading children now? Like if you say two plus two is five, that you they won't ridicule or correct the child yeah. because they want the child to feel like, you know, they're accepted. Like, oh, well, that can be okay too. So, I mean, they're turning us into idiots, you know? I mean, and that's the whole goal. No right, no wrong. It's kind of like the legal system. Yeah. And you talk a lot about that, and it's true. You know, the whole legal system. It's not system. about really what's correct. It's who can put forth the better yeah. argument. And often, the better arguments you can put forth, the better you're paid as an attorney. That is a perfect example. Because right. it's like justice and the law itself are separate issues. Now, we know what should happen. But by law, they can choose what they want to happen. It's true. And yeah. Guilty people get off all the time because they're lawyers. people get sent to prison as well. And right. people of different ethnicities are sentenced more harshly. Mm -hmm. Or you have 
crack cocaine, which is a form of cocaine, mm-hmm. being sentenced, you know, a hundred or a thousand times, you know, like you could have mm-hmm. 500 grams of coke mm-hmm. or five grams of crack and have the same sentence, something like that. Yeah. Because it's, you know, in a poor community or whatever. Exactly. Like that. yeah. But that's a perfect point, you know. Yeah. So, the you know, the, the Greeks themselves, they don't, um, you know, it's foolishness to them. Oh, yeah, right. You're going to heal somebody with the power of God. You're going to do this. You know, I'm going to give you scientific terms like, um, well, you know, see a psychologist. Oh, you're bipolar or this is wrong. This is that. Right. They'll they'll give you the worldly medical carnal terms instead of giving you, hey, man, that's a demon. That needs to be cast out. You know, that needs to see. So spiritually, you attack what's as deep as you can go. It's like breaking down the atom. You go as far as you can go spiritually. Carnally, man, you didn't even scratch the surface of the cell to even get to the atom. Yeah. Two things that I saw last night um, was, one, it was a commercial on drug and alcohol rehabilitation. And they say, oh, you'll just, all you have to do is go to this center and they will give you step-by-step on what to do and you'll be given the proper drugs on how to get over it and all you have to do is just come to this and this you know the spokesperson is you know says that he was a former alcoholic these are paid actors anyways you know most people don't know that and he says all you got to do is go to this center he says i couldn't get help until i went to this center and that's where i got it then the next thing i saw was tori spelling talking about her psychic experience yeah, because why? They'll take that and lead you in the other direction, you know, but it's true. The whole experience of, you know, I mean, Jesus dealt with these things. You read this Bible. He dealt with these things as demons because they were. I mean, it's that simple, but go ahead. It's so. a huge distraction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in a way. To throw you off, absolutely. You know, it does to make you look at other things that have nothing to do with what's really happening here. And, you know, there's another thing about drugs that they'll tell you, like I said, they open you up. You know, you find, um, I have a um, friend of mine, I don't want to say his name, but, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, he was diagnosed as bipolar. And, I mean, he was, man, the kid went wild, did everything. They were giving him antipsychotics, you know, because they said he was. And, man, he had a rough life. I mean, he was just doing all sorts of stuff. Well, the Lord told his mother to take him off those meds. And once she did, you know, for one month, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. But then after that, he became a normal kid. Now, nothing like that. You know, so I know a lot of the times when the doctors will tell you something, Mm -hmm. they got a lot of money to make. Oh, my goodness. They can't afford to see you get healed. Mm -hmm. You know, they want you to, (laughs) you know, make some money. They want you to give in to them constantly need them you don't go to the doctor to get well billions and billions i mean billions. you can take one drug mm-hmm. that they give out to you know however many people and it's just i i'm a numbers person oh, yeah, so i was yeah. like looking at this you know like say you have this prescription and it's 40 bucks a month mm-hmm. and you times that you know by 12 months it's almost what 500 bucks and then you times oh, yeah. it by 9 million people in the country take it mm-hmm what is that? Exactly. 90 million, 900 million, 
you're in the billions off yeah. of one pharmaceutical. I mean, that was that's right. This. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's how it is. And I mean, they so they have no intentions on curing you. They My want child, you. he, uh, they wanted to put him on, uh, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. Ritalin or you know mm -hmm. something. I'm, oh, yeah. I have a vague recollection. Mm -hmm. He's grown now, but I just it just was not my spirit that's mm -hmm. how I phrase it but mm -hmm. it said no I just I'm, I'm not going to do that mm -hmm. I chose not to do it and that was so a smart move <laughs> life seemed a, probably a little rougher but it's like okay let me drug my child change his personality <laughs> so that he can go and fit in in school exactly. and this is a child he was kicked out of preschool at age 30 you know yeah. so I mean he, right. you know, he was doing his thing but mm -hmm. nope and he's just the most brilliant wonderful yeah. amazing because a lot of that is now, right, and I did I never put mm -hmm. him on that stuff. See, a lot of that is just youthful energy. But they'll say, "See, this kid's got a problem. He needs meds." I mean, as children, we ran all day long. We mm -hmm. all we did was have fun. So well, but then we could. We, I'm not to you know venture too off in mm -hmm. another direction. But then you look at public schools and what they're doing to condition mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? To oh be yeah. Little, to be employees, basically, or, mm -hmm. you know, to... So, obviously, you have an, a, a child who comes from a line of somewhat independent thinkers anyways, right? Mm -hmm. He's not just going to go in there and exactly behave. They want him to behave. So, let's drug him so that he, you know, fits in this little mm -hmm. routine. And That's we can make a little money off of him as well. Exactly. As I well. mean, it's just... So, it's crazy. I mean, you know, the real church of God is supposed to put the hospital out of business. That's the real church of God. That's what was really going on. But they have even taught in churches now, just to show you how the Jew mind and the Greek mind has entered into the church, that the gifts of the Holy Ghost are done away with. Huh? Yeah, they'll tell you that all the spiritual gifts of the Holy Ghost are done away with. Oh, that was in Paul's time. That was during Jesus oh, and the disciples. That okay. That's what they claim. But I know people that are doing it for real, and the gifts have flowed through me as well. So... I can tell people straight out that those are lies, you know? And um, All right, so we'll go to uh, 2 Corinthians 6 real quick, but that's the Jew mind, that's the Greek mind. Those are the two things that we battle in understanding the Lord, you know? So it's um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 6. It should be right there. You said 2 Yeah. Oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians. And then chapter what? Uh, chapter 2, verse 6. It should be right there. Yeah, and it says, how be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and that doesn't mean perfect beings, but like perfect is immature in the spirit. And, um, okay, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. So he's speaking not man's wisdom, not worldly wisdom, but the spirit of God. I mean, his wisdom, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now, this mystery here is the thing that Adam and Eve lost that we need to get back to in understanding spiritual wisdom. The right stuff. So I'll keep reading um, verse 8. Uh, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. In other words, Christ was crucified. They didn't know who he was. That was the religious mind, and that was the Greek mind that went against him. Verse nine. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, 
neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So they're speaking spiritually here, obviously. You know, this is a spiritual mind to even grasp that, because some people would say, well, my reality is that which I can see, so I don't even get that whole part about God reserving something for me. Verse 10, but God hath revealed unto them, I mean, unto us by his spirit, See, revealed by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a, huh? Oh, I thought you said something. Okay. okay. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. So it takes a spirit of God in you to open our eyes, to give us an understanding to give us a reality of our true awareness in the spirit to know what God is all about. And that just can't be given to someone because a lot of people just won't receive it. You can tell someone about it, but the first thing is, if you tell someone, hey, I laid, I laid hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and that person was healed right away. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody else is, you know, on meds. Everybody else goes sees a doctor. But you watch too much X-Men. That's ridiculous. Okay, but this is how they'll, they'll tell you. And then it says, um, am I verse 13 or 12? 12. Okay, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things uh, that are freely given unto, I mean, given to us of God. So, again, not the world mind, not the world spirit, but the but God's spirit. Did you read 11? I'm not sure. Did you? Um, I think so. When I said, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man uh, which is in him. Okay. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but, but the spirit of God. So you can't know the things of God unless you have it. Of 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, that's man's philosophy, that love of wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So it takes the Holy Ghost to learn this and says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Natural, that word for natural, sukekos. You know, that's what it means in the Greek. It means, you know, soulish. You know, that which can be perceived by your five senses. That's a natural man. The way it feels to me. The way I see it. Oh, well, you know, I, I can hear. I can touch it. I can taste it. So that becomes my reality. You can't see and taste and touch atoms, but you know they're real. The wind is real. But, you know, so, but outside of the um, things of the five senses, is where you find God. Now, you would have to, one, have faith, two, have the Spirit of the Lord reveal it to you, and then it becomes all-known. It's a greater sense of awareness, yeah. I kind of think I might have had a little bit of an epiphany. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> okay, so, like, over the last half, some years or whatnot, like, I study a lot of things, you mm -hmm. know, spiritual No, you things. do. You talk about a lot of stuff that, yeah. No, it's cool. Spiritual based, and, and I study like my body a lot in terms of natural healing. I go to Chinese medicine, I go to naturopaths. Mm -hmm. I 
try to steer away from Western medicine, you know, just all wanting to like be as healthy as I can be, right? Mm -hmm. I study these things, but then I, if someone were to ask me like, oh, why are you taking that herb or something? I can't remember what I studied. Like I don't remember a lot of what I studied. Mm -hmm. And I've thought to myself, there's a reason that I don't remember this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to bring it back, but kind of what they're saying here is like, you don't really need to be doing all that. You don't need to be like mm -hmm. studying all those things or that type of wisdom to just store it in the brain. Right. Like I've had this feeling that there's a reason why I don't need to like store all that information and mm -hmm. this is like simplifying it. Am I making sense? No, I do. Like this is simplifying it to where why would I need to like study, study, study to gain the worldly wisdom and try to store all that and spend all that time doing that. Absolutely. Is, does this make sense? It makes sense because I'm what trying, you're like, saying is... trying to is, take it from the epiphany space to then put it into words. Right, because what you're saying is, right, that it's cutting through to what's the simplicity in this? What's really happening? Instead of, you know, going here with this philosophy, there, there, all that other stuff, you can cut right to that, right through that and get to the conclusion of the matter. If that's what you mean, because that's what I'm picking up that you mean. Like, instead of copying all that stuff, going through what they're telling you, you need to have this and do that, that you can just cut right through to the chase and do what you need to... Have it healed, for right. example. Or, right. You know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it says that these things are spiritually discerned. But it says the natural man can't receive it. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. He can do this for two reasons. He that is um, spiritual judges all things because a spiritual mind can perceive farther than a natural mind. Mm -hmm. The Amen. spirit world is the real world. It's the real world that is covered by this false world. And I'm not speaking Matrix stuff, but it kind of is. If you look at the movie The Matrix, mm -hmm. it was a computer-generated dream world that everybody thought was real. So you got everybody putting their stock in all the things of this life instead of really seeking what's behind the scenes, what's really here. And that's the truth in Christ. That's the truth of the Holy Ghost. You know, so, and also the other reason he can is because he's not a hypocrite, a spiritually minded person. A lot of church people, hypocrites. They'll do one thing, say, another, say one thing, do another. But then they try and tell you what you need to do mm -hmm. when they haven't even done it themselves. So... That's what turns a lot of people from the world off from these hypocritical people. And then it says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So what we gather here is it takes a natural mind can't perceive the things of God. So you know that it's going to take an interaction of the spirit to even go there. So let's go to... Hold on a second. Yeah. So for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he he may instruct him that means like if you have the mind of the Lord who can teach him is exactly. that what it's saying pretty much saying? and it's we like we have the mind of Christ so therefore mm -hmm. who are you, who is this person to try to teach this absolutely not in the, you know like oh I'm all that but just I have this mind you have a, a greater understanding activated, so right. therefore I can't I'm not going to really learn from these other Absolutely. Right? Is that what that means? Yep, okay. that's exactly right. All right, let's go to Mark 11. Let's back a, a couple of books. Couple. 
Mark 4.11, sorry. Before Luke? Yeah. Yeah. It's the book before Luke. Okay, there's Luke and then St. Luke, right? They're different? They're the same. Oh, okay. They're the same. Okay. Yeah. And then St. Mark. Okay. Which chapter? Uh, four. Verse 11. Okay. Well, I was going to make a point real quick. Um, about the Greek mind and the Jew mind. Yeah. Um, and to putting it in modern terms, really, you have a churchgoer who goes to church constantly, Sunday, Wednesday, revival, or whatever, and he does exactly everything that the pastor tells him. But he doesn't really have a relationship with God, even and with Christ, even though he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And then you got one person that's an atheist, believes doesn't believe in Christ whatsoever, evolution, the whole nine. Then you have one person that wants to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he is trying to bring forth proof to both those people, to the churchgoer saying, this is what the Bible says, you know, you need to be doing a little bit more study. And then he tries to bring it to the evolutionist, saying this is, you know, God created everything and this is what happened. The thing is, is that if they don't believe, those two people can actually come together because they're still of the same spirit trying to come against the person that has a relationship with Jesus Christ because they're of the religious mind and they're of the Greek mind in today's Hmm. society. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, um, go to Mark verse... uh, Mark Mark 4, verse 11, and it says, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Why it became a mystery to them, you know, um, to the world, is because they weren't walking with Christ. But for those that were, they had a greater understanding of what he meant. So that word mystery is going to appear quite a bit in this lesson because what, you know, it's trying to explain is that there takes a spiritual mind, you know, to receive it. Mm-hmm. So um, he says, verse 12. So to others, it's going to be an, a parable. Right. Like, in other words, he's speaking in parables because they wouldn't get it anyways. You know, a lot of ways he has to say it in a way that they might get it. But in many cases, they won't. But he could speak to his disciples plain because he knew because they walked with him, they had a different understanding, if that makes sense. It's kind of like if I was trying to teach a second grader, you know, right, you know, you would start with basic math and then try and find an example that the kid might understand, you know, to where he would learn, Mm -hmm. you know. So, um, all right, and it says uh, that seeing they may see, and not perceive, and hearing, uh, they may not hear, and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, like someone that's um, going around giving out seeds, you know, like planting seeds. So it says, The sower soweth the word, and these are they... Uh, by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word uh, that was sown in their hearts. So this can happen, like a person can come, hear the truth in Jesus Christ, and because they don't understand, you know, on whatever level they are, the devil can come in, swoop that out, forget it. This happens every Sunday for the carnal church. Every Sunday they sit in there, they'll hear the message, Amen, yeah, right on, brother, yeah, preach. 
and go right back out in the world and be themselves, forgetting what it was about. Someone will say, hey, what was the sermon about? Man, I don't even know. I just, you know, felt good. And then, because it wasn't in them to begin with. So they didn't receive it seriously, nor have an understanding of it. Um, so it says, uh, verse 16, And these are they uh, likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately received it with gladness, uh, and have no root in themselves, and so endure uh, but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now this again is a religious crowd, mm -hmm. people that are not born again, because right away, you know, you tell them something, and they yeah. That's what I'm talking about. This is good. Right. Why? Because you heard a lot of beautiful, sweet nothings that, that, that were in your soul. Yeah. You know, it wasn't in the spirit. It was in the soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. It made me feel great, so I received it. And then, when it comes to it, when tribulation or persecution arises, or someone tells you, hey, well, the Bible says this, too. See, now you're offended. Because it, it didn't hit you in the spirit where you can worship God and receive God's truth, it hit you in your emotions and all you wanted to feel was good. You received it emotionally with gladness, naturally. But when someone says, hey man, you know, all liars and all that, when, you know, end up, they'll go to hell. Yeah. See, now you're offended. Well, I'm just saying like an example, like if they were to say that, that those... Is true in your opinion? Well, that's, that's what believe? it says in the word, yeah. If you lie, you'll go to hell? All liars. A liar is different than someone telling a lie. Someone telling a lie may have told a lie, you know, for whatever situation, which is wrong and can be corrected. But if you live your life lying, everything you say is a lie. You know, when you, you that's how you get by on people. Oh, you yeah. wrong folks and stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, luring people, you know, telling people stuff that's not true. You know, then it's like, okay, th so this is the way you lived. Hmm. If Sociopath. Yeah. If this is the way you lived, you know, by the end of time, when this is all over, when judgment day has come or before you leave this earth, you know, hey, he told you I didn't like liars. Why did you continue lying knowing it's not an attribute of God? So that's what it is. And lying prevents you from getting closer to God and being like him because you're now taking a character trait of Satan. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies, the Bible says. This is why he's got his worldly institutions set up full of lies. This is why he has his religious world set up full of lies, you know, to keep people from the truth. Huh? But that's interesting. I think what you're talking about is, like, I studied um, New Thought. Mm -hmm. um, new Thought Ancient Wisdom mm -hmm. teachings for many years. And it did feel good, and it resonated very much so. It felt mm -hmm. like a purification right. of truth because it was love. But when I look at who was the teacher of all that, mm -hmm. exactly. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like that person oh, yeah. That's why is really not a godly, you know what I'm saying? Right. Isn't it like walking his talk? Exactly. Like, imagine this, too. I'm telling my wife every day, I love you. And every day when she's not around, I'm out there cheating on her. You know, repeatedly. But when I see her, 
man, I love you so much. You know, I just bought some chocolates. I was thinking about you, sent roses up to her job, all this stuff. I love you. But when you're not around, I'm doing as much dirt on you as I can possibly do. So, you know, even when lying. That's a liar. He's lying and he doesn't love her. You can't love somebody and not tell them the truth. You can't love someone and bring them. God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of that tree, you will die. Stick with the tree of life. Don't mess with the tree of knowledge and good and evil or you will die. Now, this is what I mean by positivity not being synonymous with good or bad because God came with the negative message. If you eat of it, you're going to die. Now, that doesn't sound good. Like, oh, man, can't do that. But Satan said, oh, man, you won't die. You know, God knows that you will be like him, and this is why he doesn't want you doing it, because then you'll be elevated and puffed up. You'll be godly. See, he came with the sweet message, but that whole time he was lying. He got into their emotions. He got into their feelings. They thought what it would be like to be like God. Man, if I could just be like him. No need to follow him. So now that I can be like God, I don't need to worry about anything else. But it was a lie. It was so Satan could make Adam and Eve fall so he could take the dominion of the earth. And he's had it ever since that day that this world belongs to him. But that's another teaching. But um, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But feeling good, you know, is something that the enemy uses for a long time. And I'm actually going to have a study on Tuesday about the soul, about the feelings, about the emotions, because those things will bind you. This is why you got some good women that can't leave no good men. Those same feelings. Well, yeah, but he's, you know, he makes me feel good and this and that. But the guy's treating you like a dog. But all you can remember are the good times. So you're not thinking of who this guy really is. This is why you find women that will marry murderers. You know, and think like, well, he's doing his thing in the street, but he loves me. He treats me good. You know, so you're, you're going in your feelings. You're not going with what makes the most sense here. Like, this is crazy. Who would want to be married to someone that kills and then he wraps his arms around you at night talking about I love you? I mean, it's just, I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, um, so that person would be offended, affliction and persecution. Those Christians that were really grounded in the faith, they would have lost their lives to, to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Roman soldiers came after them to kill them, to get rid of them. But what was in them was stronger than what was in the world. And that was the Holy Ghost. You know, the fact that they were grounded in the Lord and they said, you know what? No matter what, I'm standing for Christ. Mm -hmm. Because they knew that they stood on truth. They knew that they were standing up for the real God. So when the disciples were out there teaching the truth in Jesus Christ, People that were of the world were saying, man, he's turning this world upside down. I mean, they're turning this world upside down. But really, the world was upside down from the fall. They were turning the world right side up. But see, to the mind of the world, they oh, man, look at this. You know, this is crazy. Look at what he's teaching. That doesn't sound right. But see, from the beginning, that was what it was. And you see this whole world turning around like your uncle talks about, or I think it's your dad, that they talk about how laws and things are being placed and how you're starting to see people in positions of power being placed. Man, everything is flip-flopping. 
You know, you got Caitlyn Jenner now. You know, you got this, you got that. All this stuff. Relativism is everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there is no truth in anything anymore. If it feels good, do it. And that's what they teach. That's what they sang in the 60s. You know, that's what was going on. If it feels good, do it. Never mind if it's right or wrong. And, and what we got from the 60s and on were a bunch of selfish people that, one, didn't look after their kids and do think about it. How many hippies left their kids out to go do whatever? And then you had in the 70s and 80s a whole society full of people on drugs, rebellious. You know, not even, you count the 50s and the 60s, they were like two different worlds. Yeah. The 50s were somewhat still, you know, John Lennon and came out, John Lennon came out and said, we're more popular than Jesus Christ. Right. That's what he said. And people took his records, brought them out in the street. You can look this up, stomped on them. Like, how dare you say that? That was like, what, 63, 64? Okay, he came out with a public apology, but later that year in the 60s, I mean, later that decade, things just turned. Now you can say what you want about Jesus. Nobody cares. You know, turned? What do you mean they turned? Like, in other words, the values of Christ or how much Christ loomed in the world is no longer there. Now you got Christians themselves or so-called Christians afraid to even talk about Jesus. You think I'm kidding? Go and tell certain people things about Jesus and watch how they look at you. Right. You ever notice that? Say something about Jesus in. Well, that would even be uh, probably me. Well, but I mean, that's honesty. You. Right, yeah, right. That's honesty. You. I mean, I have to, like, it has to come from, uh, the word has to, for me, has to come from someone that's very convicted, that's done studies and, mm -hmm. you know, studied different religions such as yourself, and mm -hmm. that is, is fairly non-judgmental. Right. That's very well, important. Because yeah. otherwise, it's like, no. Absolutely. So, you know, that's the whole thing where, um, yeah, even I was like that. I was someone that went to church every Sunday that was into, you know, I was religious. But when it came down to it, when it came down to someone like a friend of mine from church would say, yeah, you know, the Bible says this. And I'm like, why you got to talk about that, man? We're not in church. Why are you always preaching? Why? Because there was something in me where I claimed to be born again or of Christ. I really wasn't. Mm -hmm. I was just like this person here that received it with joy, with my natural carnal senses, but it never struck me in my spirit to where a change could be made in me, to where I would not just see it and hear it, but I would believe it. Okay, so, um, yeah, so, you know, when persecution or affliction comes, man, they're offended. People get going. I didn't know it was going to be this tough. I'm out of here. Because they were never in it to begin with. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as uh, hear the word. Uh, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and um, it becometh unfruitful. Mm. So you have some people that are into the world. You know, I mean, some people that are into Christ, they do a lot. They got great potential in the Lord. These people are out doing the Lord's will. And, um, you know, whenever they can. But they'll only go but so far. They'll stay in the wilderness. They won't go into the promise, into the spirit. Why? Because I got my job here pulling $160,000 a year. I got my yacht. I got my house. I know that if I go forward with Christ... 
that this stuff will mean nothing. So I'm hanging on to this. I'm hanging on to the natural. Yeah. It will mean nothing to me. Right. To this person. Like, right. It'll get to where it means nothing to me personally, and they don't. They want it to mean something. Right. Like in other words, they want. It's to not claim, like oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. It's like it's going to become meaningless to me, and I'm afraid of it becoming meaningless. Absolutely. Why? Because the world will become strangely dim. The more spiritually minded you are, the more God conscious you are, the less world conscious you are. Like I like we talked yesterday, and I said, you know, I don't really care about all this stuff. You know, as far as um, trying to be the best that I can be here as a Christian, I'm living to live again. I'm placing my stock in the kingdom of heaven that I know is for real. Of course, I'm going to enjoy things here. Of course, I'm going to live my life. But you see, those things, those riches can keep you from the spirit. They bind you because instead of seeking God, you seek the world. And Jesus may want to show you things in the spirit, take you into the deep stuff of him. Hey, let me show you real spirituality. Come with me. And you're hanging on to your couch with both hands. You know, your TV, your job. No, I can't. I can't go. And that's why I love that scene in The Matrix. You guys ever seen the first part where he said, there's a red pill and a blue pill. Mm -hmm. He said, if you take the red pill, you'll wake up in um, Wonderland believing whatever you want about The Matrix. You know, whatever you want. Okay, if you just take this... You'll wake back up and just believe what you want. If you take that blue pill, I can't remember which one it is because some nut will send me an email about that. But if you take the blue pill, you know, he said, then you'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes. And you'll find a lot of people will not go there. Why? Because, man, I know about all of this and I'm, and I'm comfortable. I'm happy. But when you're talking about stepping over there into some unknown territory, hey, man, that scares me. Why? Because Jesus says where your heart is, I mean, where your treasures of the world are, there will your heart be also. Wherever you place your stock is where your heart will be. So if your heart is with the world, it can't be with him. It's like they got one foot in and one foot out. Exactly. You know, so this one, that's talking about the unfruitful. The last one is, you know, they'll bring in 60-fold, 100-fold, 30-fold, because they, they heard the word, they received it. They understand it. The cares of this life didn't choke them off. And they were able to be as fruitful in the kingdom of God as they could be. You know, so that's that's pretty much what that parable says. Um, from here, I want to go into... Say that again. They were as fruitful as they could be, the people that followed Christ. Right, in the kingdom. Those who didn't allow themselves to be choked off by the cares of this life. Okay, so the 30-fold and the 60... I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, read I'll read that. it. I'll read it. Uh, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. So these seeds fell on good ground. That means that these people were grounded in the truth, mm -hmm. grounded in Jesus Christ. They couldn't be moved because they were going for what was real. So it says, um, and these are, are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it. So they didn't receive it with joy. They really received it. They didn't receive it in their emotions. They received it in their spirit as the truth. And bring forth fruit, which means, you know, bringing in people to Christ. You oh, know, that's what that means? Yeah, like oh. doing the will of the Lord. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. So some of them were really prosperous in the kingdom because they sought that part of the truth. All right, so from here, if that makes sense, any questions we well, can ask? Yeah. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with 
problem with living an abundant life. Well, yeah, I mean the um, I'm not people. Gonna, have, no, the, you know, right. Compromise my whole being and integrity to mm -hmm. pursue that. Right. To lower my light to where I'm all about money. Right. But I don't. I don't see a, a problem with absolutely a not. Life. Absolutely not. And, Abraham. And, and what I thought you before you read that mm -hmm. scripture when you just threw that out, I was wondering if what you were saying was before you clarified that that meant bringing people in 20-fold, 30-fold, whatever, mm -hmm. when you just kind of quickly glossed over it, I thought, well, maybe what that meant was that as you become aligned with Jesus, mm -hmm. God, Holy Ghost, um, that things of the world that do bring enjoyment and comfort kind of come easily, easily and effortlessly. Well, that that's you know, right. I get what you're uh, saying, but that's not what it was. It, it meant, though. Right. but I get what you yeah. where you're coming from. Because I don't, I don't ever really. Do you buy into the idea of having to be to struggle financially? No, and no, and that wasn't the yeah. point at all. No, yeah, I know. and I'm glad you brought that up because I need to clear that up. Abraham was rich. Solomon was rich. There were many people that served God were rich. Mm -hmm. Okay, but they all loved him more than what was there. Amen. So they were all willing to even step away from that if if need be. If the Lord says, hey, I need you. You know, and, you, and if you said to the Lord, I may lose my job. You know, I can't go where you want me to go today. I got a board meeting. I got that's something going on. Faith, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're talking about. Not that you can't have um, money because it is a blessing to have those things. Mm -hmm. But there are people that don't serve God that have those things too. And what he's saying is those people that cling to that stuff can't serve him, can't do the will of God. Sense. You get where I'm coming from? So, yeah, not yeah. poverty. It doesn't mean like you have to. But if the Lord should tell you, hey, I need something from you, I, you know, you can't make that stuff your God. That's, that's what I mean, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm glad you said that so it could be cleared up for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just getting mm -hmm. to know, you know, what Absolutely. your interpretation of things are, and that's something relevant to me. So, right. Yeah, thank you. No, no problem. Uh, let's see. Different, different. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm in Romans 16 and 24. Three books to the... I just have a huge. Uh, yeah, my print is small. Romans 16, verse 24, and it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish, that's what it means, establish, to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. 
So, you know, we can go back to 25, and it says, According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. What mystery is this? Which was kept secret since the world began. So since the world began, what happened? Adam and Eve fell. Mm -hmm. What did they lose? The Holy Ghost. Okay, so when they lost that, you know, uh, the Lord is saying now it's being made available because Christ came, he died, you know, he, um, when he resurrected, he gave the Holy Ghost back to those that believe. Mm -hmm. So from there, you know, we kind of partake in what Adam and Eve had with the Lord again. This is how you draw closer to the God of heaven. Right. Okay, so that's why he says, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations uh, for the obedience of faith. So one, you have to believe. Two, you know, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Three, he gives you a new outlook on life and every day transforming you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, a manifested son of God. Um, from here, let's go to John. Uh, John 14, no, no, sorry guys, oh, they're going to hate me for this, um, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, sorry, it's back the other way, because we're going to talk a little bit about this mystery. Ephesians chapter 1. Yeah. Verse 1. Um, verse 8. Ephesians 1 and 8. And it says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So again, you know, they're talking about the mystery of his will. How do we understand the mystery of God's will? We have to draw closer to God. But in all, we have to have the presence of the Holy Ghost. Romans 12. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Get it, Sarah. Romans 12. Three books to the right. Three books to the, to the right. Romans 12, we'll start at verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1, and it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not transformed, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it takes, you know, being not transformed by this world, but a renewing of our minds to understand the truth in Jesus Christ. Now, some people would say, well, this sounds like brainwashing. 
It's nothing to do with that. It's having a newness and understanding of what his will is. Because you got a lot of people who lead people to Jesus, but then they can't even tell a person what their will in Jesus Christ is. Mm -hmm. Their own personal right. will. Right, because yeah. they themselves don't know theirs. <laughs> so, you know, you see that often, but it takes a renewal of your mind to understand those things so we're not natural-minded, so we have a clear relationship. What do you want for my life? You know, what do you see us, what do you see me doing for you? And I'll tell you what, when you're set on that path and you get a clear sense of what he's calling you to do, man, it's like everything is smooth sailing from there. You can deal with rejection. You can deal with humiliation. You can deal with rough things in this life. Why? You're placing your stock in another place, and you know who you're doing it for. You are God conscious. You're not world conscious. Okay, so. And it's not some twelve-step program no. that certain churches would like you to like right. have you believe. Yeah. <laughs> Can that also be like uh, similar to when I've had a couple times in my life where I had very clear guidance to go somewhere. Oh that yeah, like be... if there's no coincidence and certain things like that happen. Yeah, right. if you got a clear understanding of what. You're being called to do, and I mean, it was a godly thing, then it was definitely for him. Well, you what know? if it was just like a a, a move somewhere? To like, another place? Like, yeah. It could it very much like a... well be. I mean, the Lord even interacts with people that don't even have, you know, relationship with him, because the thing is, is that he sees the beginning from the end. Like, I know the Lord would have never dealt with me. Right. I mean, if he would have saw me how I was then... He never would have dealt with me, but he knew that I was coming along. He knew eventually Derek's going to start doing what I'm telling him to do. Yep. I'm not even worried okay. about this. Because he stands outside of time and space, he's already seen the end. He knows where our destinies are. Yeah. You know, So it's kind of like with us, we tend to fight, you know, like all of this stuff is new, or we surprise God with the things that we do. Man, you make a mistake, all you got to do is repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Move forward. You don't have to stay, you know, well, now I don't even know if I'm going to make it. You know, that's what the enemy wants you to think. But God's already seen the purpose for your life. All we have to do is yield our vessels to him. He'll bring it to pass. But you yeah. also don't just, like, use that as a crutch and be like, okay, I, I did this. Oh, I'm sorry. And do it again and do it again. Like, you right. know. In Catholicism, and I'm not Catholic, and I'm not trying to diss Catholics, but it it just well, seems like <laughs> it seems like you know mm -hmm. you can go do this, just do five Hail Marys, and then you can just mm -hmm. do it again. You feel me? Like without right. pure, you know, mm -hmm. repentance. I guess is what you guys exactly. Would say. What they do is penitence, which is you know constantly trying to work your way to heaven and. You know, doing all this other stuff, um, five Hail Marys, and this. You it know, doesn't sound like a pure heart. It's not to just like right. Fall back on that. Just right. My no, you're absolutely right. I have very limited. Hey, knowledge. well, you hit the nail right on the head because you got a lot of churches that you know they don't teach repentance. They teach you know, well, Lord says this, ask Him to forgive you, and then go right back out. It's not a license to live the way that you want. You know, if you repent, then you're really sorry and you want to do better. Now, I'm not saying during that time of repentance that you won't constantly fall. It's just like a baby that is trying to walk. You know, they're going to fall back down, get back up. But one day, those legs are going to be strong. And that's what the born-again experience is all about. Eventually, you'll go from crawling to walking to running to jumping. 
you know, and everything else. So it's all a part of growth. But if I tell you, if you're born again, you'll never fail God, then I'd be lying to you because we're going to make mistakes until we fully walk this thing out in maturity and are on the level that the Lord wants us to be. Good, sir. Can I read Romans 6, 1 and 2? Good. What shall we, this is Paul, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead in dead to sin live any longer therein? Exactly. So have it, you know, we're not just, you don't, God gives us grace to get it right, not to just continuously sin and, you know. Yeah, and I mean, have I failed God since I've come to him? More times than I care to admit, mm -hmm. you know, but the fact of the matter is, you strive, you get up. Am I committing many of those sins now? No. Okay, they're not even in me anymore. Why? Because the changes are being made. Now, he's not done with me. Every year, it just feels like the Holy Ghost comes, knocks on your door. Hey, cleaning time. You're like, well, I thought I did enough, you know, whatever. No, but you still got a bad temper, and you need to fix that. And, you know, we're going to work. Rage, exactly. You know, I have to listen to gospel music driving in get mad at people and stuff yeah but like the smooth thing that you talked about right mm -hmm. so i remember when i was uh in the bay area i had finished college my sons were still pretty young i was like depressed and i couldn't figure it out you mm -hmm. know and one day and i thought about moving to los angeles mm -hmm. but pros and cons etc cetera, etc cetera. one day i woke up and i just had a knowing like, it, it didn't even feel like it was my own mind that made the decision because I've been thinking about it for a while. Mm -hmm. I just woke up and knew that that's what was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And everything was, like, lifted off of me. And I just went about my business. It, oh, yeah. it, that popped in my mind when you were talking about mm -hmm. you get to the point where things are just smooth. Mm -hmm. right? That actually happened that, to me. I had that experience. That happened to me moving out here to Portland. My um, ex-fiance and I argued. You know, we had, like... It was like a last-second decision, but I don't know. I, I wondered for two years, why am I here? From New York? Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, why am I here? So for the two years that I was here, because her and I broke up, you know, eight months after I moved here. So that ought to tell you that it wasn't her that brought me here. Mm -hmm. But she was the reason that I came here. And once I did, <laughs> man, my relationship improved with the Lord big time. I might have been churchy back there. But I didn't have the relationship I have now. The Lord took me away from something to bring me to something. And that something was him. Yeah. Before that point. Sometimes and, that's what he has to do. He has to break you away from things so it can be just you and him. Exactly. Exactly. Now let's go to Ephesians 5. I know I'm jumping, but then we're going to get settled. I just wanted to make a few quick points. Ephesians 5. And we'll start at verse 32. Is that back to the right? Yeah. Yeah. We were in it before. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know. Little... <laughs> yeah, everybody's on my case about that. So Romans is... What form of the Bible is this, by the way? Uh, King James. Oh, this is? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know the old Quaker English and stuff. 
No, it's not too bad. It's not yeah. as bad as I thought it would be. So I thought maybe this was a different version. Right. Like, I don't know what it's called, the new something. New World Translation, um, new international this version. Is the old one. Yeah, a lot of the new modern Bible versions, believe it or not, are corrupted. They've taken a lot of scripture and stuff out of them. The King James is very, I mean, almost precise, precise to the uh, Hebrew, you know, except when they don't have a word in the English, you know, for the Hebrew, like they'll give it another word or whatever, but it's it's precise with the Hebrew and Greek. Where, where are we at now? Four? Um, Ephesians 5, verse uh, 31. Okay. Um, All right, Ephesians 5 and 31, and it says... For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one every let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, uh, and the wife see that uh, she reverence her husband. So, you know, that mystery, again, that great mystery, what links our um, husband and wife together, the Holy Ghost, interaction, knowing each other. And then it's like um, the same way that Christ is with the church. He wants intimacy. He wants time with us. He wants to know us. Not to just have you sit there and sing in the choir, you know, not to sit there and listen to your pastor. He wants to be one with you. Because if you have Christ in you, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. Uh, John 14. Greater is he that is in you, which is the Holy Ghost, which is God in you, than is in the world. You know, and he that is in the world is Satan, or that which is in the world, you know. Yeah, John 14. And then we'll get right to the point. <laughs> So basically, as believers, we are the bride of Christ. John what? Oh, 14. But as believers, we are the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's all about having ourselves ready for the return of the king, for the return of the groom, of the husbandman. Chapter 14, verse... Um, 15. 14, verse right. 15. Right, because what happens too is, you know, you know when something is from Christ or the Spirit of God when it glorifies Jesus Christ. If it goes outside of that, if it demeans him, he's nothing but another man. He's just like all the others. Man, that is not the Spirit of Christ. That is the Spirit of Antichrist. When they speak that, and I will read it and um, go there here, but it says, uh, John 14 and 15, If ye love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Here we go again. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth it with you, and shall be in you. So this is the Holy Ghost that is necessary. We'll keep going. Uh, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I have, I mean, I live. Uh, ye shall live also. 
So if Christ died and resurrected, that's what's going to happen to us, you know, going into the kingdom. Now, remember, for the Greeks, that's foolishness. You know, for the Jews, yeah, well, let me see it. Show me a sign. Okay, so uh, verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am uh, in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, uh, it is he that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So then it says, Judas saith uh, unto him, not Iscariot, so this isn't the traitor, this is the brother of Jesus. Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, this is when Christ lives in you. So they're going to make their abode with him. You know, this is when you see signs and wonders and the Lord does things through you because you're full of the spirit of God. When you see what? Uh, signs and wonders like of the Lord. Uh, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which uh, ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. If these have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the uh, Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So when the Holy Ghost comes upon one of us or to us, and it's the words of God from the words of Jesus Christ, they're going to glorify Jesus Christ. They will never stray you away from Jesus Christ. Anything that strays you away from Jesus Christ is not the true gospel. They will lead you into other things about you, how you can be in the world, you know, um, what's better for you. Oh, there's no difference. Muhammad, Buddha, Krishna, man, they're all prophets, man. Just pick one and make it. The truth, uh, you know, Satan will never glorify Jesus Christ. Jesus is hated. A lot of the times you'll hear some religions like the Jehovah Witnesses, Oh, he's Michael the Archangel. He's nobody. Who? Jesus is Michael? Yeah, that's what the Jehovah Witnesses say. And they're another occult organization, too. But oh, Michael the Archangel. Yeah. They'll call Jesus everything except the God that he really is. Okay? Um, uh, John 16, which is the next one over. John 16 and 13. Now, this is talking about the Holy Ghost. Chapter 16, verse 13, and it says, How be it, uh, when he, the Spirit of Truth, capital S, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. So, you know, even the whole part in getting saved, when when people do get saved and come to Christ, because you got so much distraction out here, man, it's miraculous intervention of the Lord to even hear the truth today, because there's so much swirling around in mystery, so much deception, you know, so many um, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that will try and keep people from the truth. But you know when you hear of the Holy Ghost, because it will glorify Jesus Christ. 
It won't demean him. You know, like he's nobody. No, he's the God of glory. You know, he and the Father are one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He leads you to truth. So anything that is outside of that is not of the Spirit of God. My stomach is like growling. I'm starving. But, uh, Did you eat today? Um, no, nah, not yet. I will, though. <laughs> uh, let's see. 1 Timothy 3 and 9, and then from there I think we'll move on and go right into the whole thing into the conclusion of this. First Timothy three verse nine. Oh, okay, sorry. Um to the right. Because I was looking right. oh, okay. Timothy what? Um uh, first Timothy three and verse nine. Or 10. Ten. Huh? Verse 10? Yeah. Um, no, verse 9. Well, I'm bugging out. First Timothy 3 and verse 9. And it says, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. What's the mystery of the faith? Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right. Uh, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So this is talking about, you know, the structure that God wants. Even so must their wives uh, be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own uh, house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree, a great boldness uh, in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, uh, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, uh, that thou mayest uh, know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, uh, the pillar and ground of the truth. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So you know that this here is calling Jesus Christ God. But he did all these things with the power of the Holy Ghost. He was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. So they're talking about, again, the Holy Ghost, because this is the type of work that we have to do too, you know, in following him. And this is why we tell people, you know, we have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you're not born of the Spirit, you can never see the kingdom of God. Because why? heaven wouldn't even be like a lot of church people kid themselves into believing they want to go to heaven but if you have a sinful nature or worldly nature heaven wouldn't be an enjoyable place to you because your nature is so different than his you would prefer to be down here mm -hmm. <laughs> you know dealing with this life because if you are in you know the way that God did things he says hey, my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are higher than your thoughts so his ways are above ours. The way that we see things are not the way that he sees it. 
And how we can tell how different we are than the Lord is to read this. You know, this book will cut you inside out because you'll be looking at, oh man, I'm doing that too. Oh, look at this. Oh, can't believe this. Look at this. You know, and it's just, oh man, I gotta change. You know, so that's like that identification of where we need to be. Right. Who you are and where you need to go. Mm -hmm. All right, Genesis 24, and we'll conclude from there. But, you know, we have to be born again. And it's a process. It's not something you're going to get an overnight. You know, it's like walking this thing out. Genesis is at the front of the Bible. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. My my, you know, my battery and my phone, that, that flashlight. Oh, it's dying? It kind of killed it, but that's okay. You can charge it up over there. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Genesis 24. Right. Because the only way back to Jesus Christ is the Holy Ghost. Genesis 24 puts a lot of emphasis on it because... You had Abraham at this point was looking for a wife for his son Isaac. So that would have made Abraham like a form of God the Father. Isaac would have been a type of Jesus Christ. And Rebekah, which is the wife that they found, would have been a type of, you know, church or the body of Christ. And then you got this nameless servant. They never tell you the servant's name. He just goes and finds Rebekah and brings her back to uh, Isaac or Abraham for Isaac, which was uh, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, the Bible says, would not speak of himself, but only to glorify Christ. So that's why it was a nameless servant here. So Genesis 24, verse 1, and it says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant uh, of his house that ruled over all that, all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under thy thigh, and I will make thee swear uh, by, the, by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, thou shalt, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So the Lord is making clear here that he doesn't want, you know, Christ being married to anything in the world just pulling anybody in anybody that doesn't want to conform to the truth that's not the bride that the father desires for his son okay because the canaanites if you look them up in history they were of the world they were not of god they hated god they warred with the people of god they were they warred with them like you know fought against them uh, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son isaac so this would be a type of God the Father wanting his son, to, wanting to have a bride that is godly, that is holy, that is like Christ. Okay, and then it says, um, uh, and the servant said unto him, now notice, they're just calling him servant. He has no name here. Mm -hmm. And the servant said unto him, peradventure the woman uh, will not be willing to follow me unto this land. But I needs bring my son again unto the land from whence thou camest. So in other words, he's asking because this woman wouldn't want to marry Isaac. He's saying, well, should I bring your son into there to receive it, to receive the bride? 
And the father is saying, no, I want you to go and bring the bride back here. So he was going to tell him how to do it. And this is why people want to bring Jesus into, they, they won't allow Jesus to bring them up to his level. We want him to roll down in the mire with us and be, you know, so he doesn't offend me. But the Lord is calling us up higher to do things according to his will. All right. And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring uh, not my uh, son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took from, I mean, took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and uh, that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed uh, will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So you know that this happened when Abraham, when Isaac was brought, Rebekah was brought to Isaac, you know, to be his wife. So the, the point is, is that the Lord is looking for us to get it together, come to the truth, yield to the Holy Ghost, be changed into the image of Christ, meaning you won't be Christ. You will be like Christ or of his nature in order to get into the kingdom of God. So, um... Let's see, one last thing, and then we'll conclude from there. Yep, one last thing. It's uh, Matthew 25. You all right? I know you're thinking, what are they talking about? No. No? Oh, I'm aligning lots of different things to my life. No, absolutely. Uh, we're at Matthew 25, but it was about, you know, Isaac again, you know, would have been a type of Christ. The Holy Ghost, the nameless servant, was sent to bring Rebekah into Isaac. So that's all the Holy Ghost is trying to do is have us ready, you know, and that's what it's about. But remember, when Abraham brought, um, when the servant brought Rebekah, remember what he did when he saw her and she took care of him and his camels with the water? that he gave her jewelry like he had her dressed up. He put jewels, bracelets on each hand. Isaac did? Um, the, the servant did that to Rebecca. You know, dressed her up in jewels like she was about to be married. So this is kind of like what the Holy Ghost is doing, helping us have our garments to be with Christ. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Uh, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, no Holy Ghost. That's what the oil means, no anointing. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. So this is like a kind of, you know, people that are in the world doing their thing. Some are taking the walk with the Lord serious. Others are not taking the walk with the Lord serious. You know, some are allowing their vessels to be full of the spirit of God, to be changed and transformed. And others are not doing it. But now this is the return of Christ. And at midnight there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, like they got themselves ready. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. 
What does that mean? You wasted so much time not getting into the spirit that you didn't, you know, there was nothing in you that was like Christ. You were supposed to have that ready before he got here. Mm -hmm. So, okay, they said that their lamps have gone out. So there's no Holy Ghost around them. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them uh, that sell and buy, buy for yourselves. Like, in other words, go where to get the Spirit where I got it. I sought the Lord for it. I'm now ready for the bridegroom. I can't give you mine. You know, walking this thing out, being born again in Christ, is an individual affair. Churches will never tell you this. Why? Because they want your money. They want you to come in. They want you to enjoy what's going on here. You hear a good message. You go home. You sit in theater-style seating next week just to hear it again. No change in you. Some of the people that have not changed the most in this world are church-going people. I will not kid you. They go there. It's a joke. They got their fill, and they move on. So they're saying, hey, you know what? I can't give you mine. It's an individual affair. Even though we all sit in Bible study together, we sit in congregations and church together, knowing the Lord is up to you. No, go ahead, what about tithing, though? Like, um, you can give offering. You say they just want your money, but isn't right. tithing a law in here? Well, in the Old Testament, it was. In the New Testament, it was a... Um, New Testament, it's offering. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. But to be honest with you, there is no New Testament tithe. That's why it says tithes and offering. You can give offerings, you know, to someone to help or to do whatever. But back then, during the tithe, you had to give 10%. That was under the law. Now the law of the liberty, the liberty of law, the Lord says, man, if you want to give, I love a cheerful giver. What you may give may be more than 10%, but you're not obligated to do it you know the lord says not to give grudgingly or of necessity okay so you're supposed to give because you want to give out of overflow exactly out of knowing that god is your source and god giveth to you exactly yeah, agree with that. right but they'll tell you oh 10 percent. let me see your w-2 because <laughs> we need to find out what you're really making your w-4 no really you get a lot of that some churches run that way so there's nothing wrong with offering, but there is no New Testament tithe. Everything is supposed to be given of the Spirit, not because you're made to do it, you know, if you choose to. So it says, um, but the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. <laughs> Afterward came also of the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Now, he doesn't know them because um, they'd spent no time with him. The only way to get the filling of the Holy Ghost is to have relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That is the way to get the full filling of the Holy Ghost. But if you're doing your thing, then you're outside of Christ. You know, if you're not seeking Christ, how can he know you? Paul Washer, which I'm not a huge fan of, but he made a great point. He said, now, 
you can say when you go up to the White House that you know George Bush, you know, you know Barack Obama, open the door and let me in. The question would be, does Barack Obama know you? That's the only way that those doors are getting open. If he knows you and says, yeah, let him in, then you're going in. You can say, I know him from TV. Oh, I've heard of Barack Obama, the 43rd, 44th president, right? That means nothing. Does Barack Obama know you? Does the Lord know you in order for you to come into the kingdom? So seeking him as an individual affair, it's not one of, I've heard of Jesus. When a lot of people say they know Jesus, you heard about Jesus. You know, you know some things that he did. Kind of like Michael Jackson. Come on, Michael Jackson. I know Michael Jackson. Beat it. Thriller. You know, all that stuff. Oh, remember when he moonwalked? Oh, and at the Grammys in 1983, he received five Grammys. All that stuff. You get what I'm saying? But does Michael Jackson know you? You know about Michael Jackson. It's the same way it can be with the Lord. Those virgins made themselves prepared for him because they knew him. And that's why the Lord let them in. They were ready. But for those who didn't know him, it's too late now. Time's up. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. And a lot of people are deceived into believing that they know the true God and they have not been born again. They don't know Jesus Christ for real. Matthew 22, and then we'll close out from there. This isn't going to end on a great note, but... It's not. I mean, the great note is to receive the Lord, you know, Jesus Christ, understand that he's the truth. But this story is frightening for a lot of people that claim that they know God. Is it Matthew? Yep, Matthew 22 and... Uh, I want to start from verse 1 and then I'll end it when it's good. But this is what it says. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding uh, and they would not come sounds like today right mm -hmm. again he sent forth other servants saying tell them which are bidden uh, behold i have prepared my dinner my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all these Oh, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. So this is all the Lord is calling for. When people hear the gospel, they think of it as, oh, now you're going to preach to me. You know, but the truth is the Lord is saying, you know, come to my marriage, get to know me. I'm the truth, sup with me. Taste the Lord and see how good he is. You know, see who I am. You know, don't, don't say that before you know me, before you judge me. Come and find out what I'm about. And if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, then do what you need to do. But I'm going to show you that I am God. Mm -hmm. So he's inviting people. That's all Christians are doing when they preach to people, when they're telling people, hey, know Jesus Christ. All they're giving you is their invitation or the Lord's invitation. Hey, come. Right. Come to the marriage supper. You can come as you are because he's going to fix you and we're going to move forward. Mm -hmm. And we're going to all be sitting at the supper. All right, so he says, you know, they're ready. Call them, bring them in. Now, mind you, he said he sent many people, many servants, but the answer was still no. Yeah. Many people coming and telling you about the truth, but, yeah, I don't know if that's true. You know, and a lot of people will stay there not seeking the truth. When time is up, the door is closed. Uh, verse 5, 
but they made light of it and went their ways, uh, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. See, they're all involved in the cares of the world. His light, you know, his merchandise, his farm, what I do for a living. That's more important than anything concerning God. Mm -hmm. Then it says, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So, you know, preaching the gospel, this has happened to Christians in the past. They've been persecuted, thrown in jail. You hear all kinds of stuff. You know, you can't speak against the laws that we made, even though the Bible speaks against them. So, you know, when the Lord heard that this went on, this is what he's going to judge at the end of time. Mm -hmm. You destroy my people and all they wanted to do was invite you to the marriage supper, to be born again, to be like me, be with me, and you destroyed them? Well, I'm coming back seeking vengeance, you know, and that's pretty much what it is. So then he said, uh, then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were hidden were not worthy, They or, or bidden, sorry, were not worthy. They didn't want to come. They weren't ready when the bridegroom showed up. So he says they're not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as uh, ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So we're supposed to be talking to everybody about the gospel. I don't care if it's that prostitute, that crackhead, that whatever. They all have a right to know the truth in the Lord, and so the Lord can work with them, and they can make it to this supper. Right. So he says, um, so these servants went out uh, into the highways and gathered together. As all many, oh, together, all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Now, you know, both bad and good. So, <laughs> you got some people here that will probably, you know, I don't want to help this person. They're a drug addict. They're this, they're that. They're not living the way I feel. You know what? You better make sure that that person doesn't take your place at the marriage supper. Because a lot of these so-called Christians think they're going, mm -hmm. but their hearts are nothing like Jesus. They don't want to preach the truth. Mm -hmm. They don't want to help people out. All right. So, um, furnished with guests. So, well, you know. by example and show the truth to their view. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, verse 10, and it says, And those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. So this is it. This is the end. Then he says, and, oh, and when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there was a man which, which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither, like in here, <laughs> not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So this person wasn't an unbeliever. This person was someone that thought that they should have been there. They didn't have the, the Holy Ghost. They weren't born again. These were people that hung around the religious setting long enough, wasting God's time, mm -hmm. doing nothing. Okay? This person thinks that they should be here at this marriage supper. They knew where the party was. So you would imagine that <laughs> they knew that, you know, they thought that they were there, just like there are many people in churches believe they are saved. Oh, I know God. You don't need to tell me about God. I know him. Okay, that's on you. It's like, how do you know him? How 
argue for sure that you know him. Right. So Jesus asked this guy, man, how are you coming in without a garment? What is that garment? Your righteousness. Okay, where's your garment? And the guy is speechless. Then said the king to the servant, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because the gate is narrow. The Bible says that. The Bible says most people won't be saved. Why? Because most people don't want the truth. He says that the way is narrow and the gate is narrow. Casting them in the outer darkness is into hell. Because at this point, now some people would say, well, Jesus is mean. Why didn't he go and hug the guy and tell him, are you sorry for what you did? Get it together and, you know, come on in. But time is up at this point. Now, me, I was a sinner for 36 years. I mean, look at the, and at times, I still don't do some of the things that the Lord calls me to do. I had 36 years to discover the Lord. I'm now 40. Thank God for the last four years of my life. Because this is what's kind of brought the truth in into what I should be doing. But he didn't take me in my sin. He gave me a chance to get it right. And guess what? He's still working on me. So at this point, for a lifetime, probably. exactly. All right. So at this point, the Lord is done talking. I've sent servants to you. I've tried to get people to bring you to the truth. You didn't want it. You believed in something else. You were invested in your feelings, your emotions, your natural mind, all these things that have nothing to do with me. So I sent a thousand people to you to preach. You told them all to go to hell. Well, unfortunately, that's where you're going now. You know, so this is why many are called, few are chosen. We need to be born again. We need to discover the real Jesus Christ. And I just tell anybody, if you don't believe it, man, just walk it out and see. Mm -hmm. Try it out. See what changes are made in your life. Don't believe what I'm telling you. You know, seek it out for yourselves. But we all know what it is to live without Jesus. And guess what? We're still not happy in our lives. Right. We're still not getting the sense of fulfillment. So we may as well try them out once. See what's there. You've done it your way for years. And guess what came of it? What you're dealing with right now. He can lift that burden. He says that my burden is light. He said my, um, what did he say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because it's not hard to serve the Lord once you have the Spirit of God in you. You will want to do things in Him. So, so many people are afraid to even just give Him a try because they know that it is life-changing, but it's life-changing for the better. You know, let's say, like me, I was a raging alcoholic, and I thought that that was fun for so many years. But when I came to know Jesus Christ and He took that away from me, I saw that it was actually killing me, and it wasn't fun. Raging meaning like an Every angry day, alcohol? Well, not, sorry, I won't say raging, but I was an alcoholic, you know, mm -hmm. so... Did you yeah. think you were at the time, though? What? Uh, An alcoholic. Did you I define didn't, yourself like that? Not until afterwards. Not until I really yeah. started seeing myself as, you know, looking back on it. Well, look. the Holy Ghost revealed to you <laughs> exactly. what was there, you know. And, I mean, that's just it. It's like, man, give them a try and see what's there. You know, we've done it our way. And no matter what gods we yield to, no matter what things we do, we're still left with that thing, not getting any closer to the Lord than we already are. Well, seek the real God and see what he'll do for you. That's what I encourage everyone to do. Mm -hmm. So from here, I guess we can pray out. But, the you know, the goal is we need the Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost is that nameless servant that brought the bride to Rebecca. I mean, to Isaac. The Holy Ghost is the only way back to Jesus because the Holy Ghost is only going to speak of Jesus and what we need to do. All he's doing is getting a bride ready that the Father employed him to do for his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All right, so from here, I guess we'll pray out. But, you know, the Lord wants to expand his borders in us. He wants to, he can't expand his borders in a hard vessel. You need a changing of mind, a changing of spirit and nature, because the things that the Lord does, if he were to expand his borders in you, you'd blow up. Why? Because you don't know how to ebb and flow and be like him. You'd be stuffed, stonewalled, concrete, and you would just blow to bits because you wouldn't know how to move. Be like you know, or, or be flexible with him. Yeah. It'd be like putting dynamite in a cave. Yeah. I mean, God's knowledge to us would be like putting an ocean, put the world, the water of the world into a little teacup and saying, here, hold this for me. You wouldn't be able to sustain it. Uh -uh. But after a while, that teacup becomes a, a cup. You know, then you start to get a little bit more that you can contain. God is wise enough not to give you all his wisdom because you'd kill yourself. You wouldn't know what to do with it. You'd go crazy. All right, we can pray out. Anybody want to pray? You, Sarah? God, Sarah. Oh. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you today. And I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us. Another day not promised to us. Lord, I want to thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together in fellowship, Lord, to dive deep into your truths, to have understanding. Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you've given to us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, the breath in our lungs, because it is only by your hand that we have the things that we have, Lord, and I pray that we are grateful. Lord, I pray that we seek your understanding. Lord, I pray that we would search your scriptures to know what you would have us to see, Lord, because it is only by your Holy Spirit that we have this understanding within us. Lord, and I do thank you for the grace period upon our lives. Lord, how you have given us multiple opportunities to come to you, to get right with you, Lord. And you have stayed your hand. You didn't take us in our sin when you could have, Lord. And I pray that we come before you. I pray, Lord, that if we need to repent things in our lives that we have done, Lord, that we seek your guidance, Lord, that we seek to be clean. Lord, and I'm so thankful for this ministry, and I'm thankful for everyone who's coming in this ministry today, Lord. And I pray that you would touch our lives. I pray that whatever idols that we've placed in front of you, Lord, whatever things that are keeping us bound, whatever things are choking off the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we give those things to you, that they be taken down and moved out of the way. Lord, let your Holy Spirit flow through our lives. Lord, let us see what you have for us. Let us seek your will. Let us seek your calling upon our lives, Lord, to know what we can do. Lord, that we can go out and we can preach and teach your gospel to the unsaved, Lord, to the unlearned, to the, to the ones that the world considers outcasts, Lord. I pray that you would light a fire under us. Lord, I pray that we would seek to have more prayer and fasting in our lives, Lord, to kill off the flesh. Lord, let us seek to have a greater, more intimate relationship with you. Lord, let us be unplugged from this world system. Let us be sanctified, Lord. Let us be purified. Let us show this world what true love is, and that is you, Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Lord, you died on the cross for our sins. That is what true love is. You gave of yourself, Lord, and I pray that we would give our, of ourselves. 
that we would give you our best, Lord, our first fruits, not just whatever time comes necessary. Lord, but I pray that we would give you all of our time, that we're not soulish, that we're not carnal thinking, that we're not run by our feelings and emotions, Lord, because that we know that that's where the enemy knows that we are weak, Lord. And if we are bound by our feelings and emotions, then we will go according to what feels good, not to what your scripture says, Lord. And we have to compare our lives to your scriptures. Lord, we have to be like you. And I pray that your light will shine through us to others, Lord. Lord, I thank you again for all the things that you have done for us in this ministry. Touch our lives today, Lord, I pray. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, place your shield of protection around and guide and direct and lead our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Amen.